0: Warning this podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Hey, hey,
1: hey, hey. Welcome to Records and Bands. This week I'm joined by Sam, as usual, up in Dempster, and Jamie's back from the Talking Dad UK podcast and the Jamie's Man Cave YouTube channel. How you doing, Jamie? You alright?
2: I'm good. How are you two?
0: Yeah, not bad. I do have some Jamie's Man Cave questions, actually, but I'll save those.
2: Okay. You're a regular contributor now.
1: You're almost like the fourth chair because you've been on so often. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So there is definitely a t-shirt winging its way to you now, so.
2: Good. Yeah, I'll be wearing it with pride.
1: Tonight we are talking about the 2006 debut album from Arctic Monkeys. Whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. Uh, The band were formed in Sheffield in 2002. Their debut album became the fastest-selling debut album in UK chart history, selling 360,000 copies in its first week alone. The debut album included I Bet That You Look Good on the Dance Floor, which went to number one in 2005, and When the Sun Goes Down, as well as tracks from a previous EP called Five Minutes with Arctic Monkeys. It was Time Magazine's Best Album of 2006. It won the Brit Award for Best British Album, a Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album and the 2007 Mercury Music Prize. So it's quite a massive record that completely passed me by. So I kind of want to know when you two, being younger than me, when you boys first came onto it, because the album was out in 2006, wasn't it? But they were one of those first bands, maybe alongside like Lily Allen and that, that really found an audience through the internet. So I'm just wondering how that, influenced how you got into them in the first place
0: first i heard of them was um my friend ben saying to me have you heard this bollocks this can't possibly be true they reckon this band are famous through myspace <laughs> and they were you know that's how it all started i said it's how it all started they, i'd imagine they were pretty well known in the local area but yeah just blew up through the whole online thing and like ben didn't believe in it he thought it was manufactured and he thought that there was a secret record label behind it all which shows a bit of the time and also how like really groundbreaking a record and a band that they were and in my opinion still remain so that's the first i heard of and that was you know the single came out bet you look good on the dance floor and like what a tune how about you jay similar
2: or yeah so i would have been i've tried to work this out earlier uh about fourteen, fifteen um when it came out or when they were started to become known and then when they finally came out and they were all over the radio when it was all over tv then obviously everybody else got interested in it but we were like we had like a little group at school that was kind of into our music and and that was one of them new exciting bands and as i've been listening to them through the week i've been looking them up a little bit and reading a little bit about them just going back in time really and reminiscing but Unlike one of the descriptions on Wikipedia, it, it describes them as like the, the few descriptions you've got. So, indie, which is what I would describe them as if anybody asked me. Um, but you've got post, post Britpop, but then you've got Garage Band Revival. And I think that sums them up perfectly. That's exactly what they were. They were a garage band that came out of nowhere that took people by surprise and everybody loved it. And that's what we, we were like playing in bands at school over lunchtime and we, we just looked at it and thought oh, we could do this mm. obviously we couldn't <laughs> but <laughs> um, it made you feel like you could and it took, it's a little bit like i heard you you talk about it before if you go back to like punk stuff or things like that i mean it makes you feel like you might be able to do it yourself
1: i was wondering if it was something similar for for you boys as it was for like my generation would bet you look good on the dance floor was that your smells like team spirit
2: I think so. Yeah, I, I,
1: I know that's a that's a easy comparison to make, but for me, I was I would have been a little bit
0: older than you, Jay. So I would have been sort of like eighteen, nineteen when it came out. And something we touched on on the last episode, which just seems like ages ago, was that it felt like really discovering something for the first time. A lot of the stuff I was listening to before that was already there. Obviously, I like I discovered Green Day through Robin Rich, but it all all already existed, really. So, like by the time I was listening to Green Day properly, they had like four or five albums. But when the Arctic Monkeys came out, it was twofold really. It was something new and something that was like, "Whoa, this is this is new," but also a bit of a step change for me because like. There's a lot I hear in it that does remind me of punk bands. And I, and I don't think this album's too far away from a punk record. But at the same time, it was new. It was different. It was sort of a step into, like, a bit of a different genre for me. So whereas like, I would predominantly listen to, like, pop punk, a bit of metal, a little bit of, I, I would say a little bit of rap. but By rap, I mean Eminem, really, you know. But, this, yeah, getting into this Arctic Monkeys was a real, like,
1: A real change. You've mentioned a few times about when this came out, but from as I understand, there was lots of like EPs and singles getting handed out at gigs and stuff, and that's how it got shared on the internet. So, Jamie, you are obviously up north. Sam's in rural Herefordshire, and we. I always felt that we kind of got things a bit later where we were, but obviously you are you are a bit closer to to Sheffield, aren't you? So, I was wondering, what's the sort of timeline for you? Was it when when the album came out, or was it? You know, like six months earlier with the big single.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about that and I can't quite pinpoint it, but I probably, it like I say, it was something that you would have, you and your mates at a lunchtime at school would have huddled around in the playground and listened to something on one of your mates' phones, the old Walkman phone or something. Probably something they've downloaded um, back in the LimeWire days. <laughs> it, it would have been the build up to the first single. Definitely, we would have had something around that time, maybe off the EPs or something. It was all like, there's this new band that are really good and uh, we're waiting for what's going to come. And then that the first single comes out, Bet You Look Good on Dance floor. I mean, the video is absolutely ridiculous. It looks like they filmed it in the garage, never mind recorded it <laughs> in it. And uh, he's playing his guitar up here and he's going for it. And I just thought, because I was playing guitar at the time, we were in bands and I just thought, that's it. Mm. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of music I like. Like a bit similar to Sam, really. Any music I would have got before that would have come from somebody else. So it would have been passed down. Or I would have listened to a bit of rap that was out at the time, but probably more like gangster rap renaissance when 50 Cent came out and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it's a million miles away from my upbringing in my life. I mean, as a teenager, you listen to it. It's a bit of angst, isn't it? But this was more talking about where I kind of come from, like, small northern town or a run-down industrial northern city it's it's that's that they were talking about us and that and we and i think we got that straight away and plus up until that kind of time in line with our age any gigs we were going to i was probably going with my dad or my mate's dad they were taking us because we were getting up to the age now where we could start to go to gigs on our own and we started getting on buses and the trains and going on our own and it was just all happening at the kind of right time i think it's because of our age but yeah, I think we we would have had something. I can't pinpoint it. And then that first single hit, and that was it. Bang, we were. That was that's our band now.
1: Did you boys see him at all? Like like in those earlier days? Like, or was it because I know you saw him at festival, didn't you, Jay?
2: I saw him at Leeds, but that's all. That's that's all I did. It's like, you kind of would have been one of them amazing bands to see on the circuit at a crappy club somewhere.
1: That's what I,
0: I said exactly that when we did our indie disco episode. But I saw him. I, I honestly think we might have been at the same Leeds Festival. I think we might have discussed this before because I saw them at Leeds and then I saw him in Cardiff a little while after. I think that when they played Leeds, that, that would have been just after the second album. And then I saw them um, Humbug or Suck It and See tour. I'm not quite sure which, but yeah, I would have loved. I think, I bet they would have been amazing to see. And I know, and, and I apologise for this massive stereotype. I like to, I can just imagine them playing in like an old working men's club in, in, you know, in Sheffield. And it's kind of like, you've got people there who it's a real shock to the system and then people there who just absolutely love it. And sort of that really, almost, I, and I, I say what you like about the comparison, but almost like when this, this sounds like the pistols broke. And I, I really do think that, it's not that different. I don't think the musicality is actually that different at times, but like in the terms of that, like whoa, what on earth is this kind of
2: thing? I think it's our version, isn't it? Yeah, it's our it's our era's version. And if you compare it to everything else that was out at the time, which would have been X Factor every year, mm-hmm. wasn't it, or Pop Idol or whatever it was, it was a million miles away from that.
0: It, it, and it's so different to like hearing like Green Day talk about like America and all that sort of stuff to hearing the Arctic Monkeys talking about. Trying to sneak into a club and the bank to being an arsehole and like how hilarious it is when the police turn up at the pub and all that sort of thing. It's so much more relatable, and I, I think I think Alex might have touched on this when we had him on before. But like, you know, you can't really. It, it's harder when you're sort of like fourteen. You you can't really relate to that sort of stuff. But then as you get a bit older, it it starts to appeal more, and it, it's just
1: that timing. they just that like perfect storm. I think for this record, should we start giving some awards, eh? Let's do it. Some of them, I've, got, I've I've come up with some fancy names for them. Love a fancy name. And some of them I haven't. I thought we could give an, an award for the best track on the album. Or it could be the one you'll hear on the radio and think, oh, I haven't heard that record for ages. I'm going to put it on when I get home. So I don't know. Have you got a few candidates you'd like to pick from before you two fight to the death over a winner?
0: <laughs> I've got a few. Uh, but Jay, have you got some you'd like to... Being being the guest, I'm happy to let you go first. I reckon there'll be some matches, if I'm being honest. Best
2: tracks. I mean, so so if if we're we're like, we thinking in terms of what we think is the best track, or are we thinking, if I hear that on the radio now, I'm going to go and listen to Arctic Monkeys.
1: Either. This is a whole new format, Jay. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> Let's
2: go for it then. Well, I think, I bet you look good on the dance floor. That always makes me smile when it comes on, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Makes me want to go back and listen to it. When the sun goes down I think that gets better every time I hear it. Um but then you've got you've got even like the slow one like Riot Vance.
0: It's a great song.
2: If you just sit and listen to that it's it's written brilliantly for its time and what they were 20 year old kids writing that in a garage somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, but then the two that stand out into and I right, I've written this down and I I read it back and I thought you sound like an old man. Right? <laughs> but I used the term groovy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One for right? the granddads. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if your granddad's listening. <laughs> um, Fake Tales of San Francisco and Dancing Shoes are very groovy. Mm. The uh, The bass and the drums in them two songs in particular – are about as tight as you can get when you're a band that have practiced in your garage.
0: Yeah, and I think that is it gets a bit forgotten that they're they're a bit of a ramshackle outfit, but they're really really good at the same time. Like as as a band, I find it hard to disagree with you on a lot of those. Like I often say about another band will come onto, I'd imagine Pulp, Common People's Pulp's best song, and I you know. It just is. It's their most well-known song, but it if it's for a reason, because it's their best tune, I I think at least. And I'm tempted to say that as well, about Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, but I don't think it is the best song on the album. I think the best song on the album is either Fake Tales of San Francisco or Mardi Bum.
2: I think Mardi Bum's brilliant. Mardi Bum is good.
0: Uh, But then, like you said, when the sun goes down, is more you listen to it, it gets better and better. But like... (sighs) I could throw a handful of darts at a list and be happy with whatever come up. I think like there's one song on here that I don't rate particularly, which we'll come on to after. As our guest, Jay, I will happily agree with what you come up with because I, I struggle to say what's my favourite on here because it could be one of eight tracks, to be honest. Maybe one of ten. <laughs> you both said about San Francisco. We did, yeah, and that is groovy. So, you know. It is
2: groovy. And it is a story about being in a shitty club at the weekend. Yeah. And some band playing that think they're a bit better than what they are. And I don't know, that does rings true to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Angry Barrel song? Shit band,
1: shit songs. Yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> are we going for that then? Fate Tales of San Francisco?
1: I think so. I'm happy with that. We'll jump on now then to the the next award, the next category. We're going to hand out the Jonathan Davis, not the guy from Corn, the Jonathan Davis Award for Tracks You Always Skip. That's a terrible, terrible big pun work there. Because he's a triple jumper, isn't he? Hop, hop, skip and jump. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get it. I'm not a moron, but you might be. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So you got a better name for it? Um, The... There we go, um, four days later.
0: Four days later, I got something for this. No, no,
1: we'll go for it. We'll go with that for now and we'll come up with a better one next time. So is there any tra- tracks on there that you think? Oh, I'll skip that. For me, there's one bad song on this album, but it's not even that bad. It's just too long. And that's perhaps
0: Vampires is a bit strong. One track on this album, that I think could do without that, if I'm honest.
2: I tried to pick one and I struggled because every, every th- I thought, oh, I think it's that one. And then I played it and I knew all the words and I thought, no, I can't be that one. But maybe that one, maybe. Just when it like, it just stops, doesn't it? And then you think, all oh, right, right, new song. And then it comes back on and it's like, it doesn't even fade out or anything. It just...
0: And I think that's, again, it's like the longest track on the album, I would say. And it just feels like, I'll just kind of, if it was 90 seconds long or two minutes, like a lot of the others, it'd be all right. But like, it just gets a bit, well, I'd say self-indulgent, but not in sort of like overly grand terms of self-indulgence, but like just seems to go on a little bit. It is slightly different in terms of feel, I think, to the rest of the album, like lyrically. See, I thought um, From Ritz to Rubble potentially would be a skip track, but that's pretty good. Like you said, Jay, listen back to it. It's still pretty good. And like, Still Take You Home was the other one, but I prefer that to... You people are vampires. Uh, yeah, vampires is a bit strong.
2: But well, I've been looking at it and looking at the lyrics. I'm just scrolling through now. But I mean, it it's written well about a good thing. It's about people pretending to be with you and on your side, but not really. So a bit, but so it does fit into the album. But I think maybe it's just like you say. It's a bit long. It it it's stuck in the middle of the album as well. If it was at the beginning, maybe it, you. Yeah,
1: true so as we're into lyrics shall we move straight on to the next bit well are we yeah. agreeing that that's our jonathan I... davis hop skipping jump
2: yeah jonathan davis cop <laughs> yeah
1: excellent right so the next one i was thinking was is there a can we give out a i wish i'd written that award is there a lyric or a guitar line or something that makes you kind of think you know oh, i wish i'd written that i've got five examples of lyrics in this album that
0: i wish i'd written i've, I've written down loads of lyrics it's
1: fucking brilliant <laughs> in it
0: like and you know what you're saying about when you, you start a band and you think oh, i could do that i think that about his lyrics and then like yeah. I, I i'm all i'm not I, I can write a song but like i can write this but it sounds like you should be
2: able to it's how you would talk to a mate isn't it, it is
0: yeah yeah and like I try to do it and I, I don't I don't do not it anywhere near as well as he does and it's really annoying because it. you, you feel that you should be able to you know and I, th- I well, that's part of the charm I think so I've got yeah, yeah. three, four I've got so I've I picked out a few and I think this is uh, brilliant just because it's so very so specifically of its time so on the opening track there's the line she won't be surprised and she won't be shocked when she's pressed the star after she's pressed unlock which is how you used to unlock an old Nokia phone that everybody had at, at, at this time. And it's just like, it's so clever. Like, it really is. Like, it's brilliant, brilliant songwriting. And there's a few bits in there. I want to see you take the jack out of the fruit machine and put it all back in. You've got to understand that you can never beat the bandit. And it's just, yeah, yeah, always gets you. Brilliant. Really clever lyrics, I think. Jay, have you got anything to add? while well, I just go through my little... Or is yours a fair old list too?
2: Mine come in at sort of Fate's Tales of San Francisco. It always stands out to me where he gets out he gets through it and then he just says like he's talking to his girlfriend or wherever he's with in the story and he they just, just say the band were fucking wanking, I'm not having a nice time. And I just think Got it here. just it cuts straight into it cuts through the song and I think it's ace. It's like you can
0: you can see him saying it almost, can't you? It's it's like yeah.
2: That's, is that a northern phrase?
0: It's fucking wank because, like, we say yeah. it a lot, but it feels yeah. like it's uh, it, it. It feels right in his voice, doesn't it?
2: Definitely, yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, and then in the same song, there's a super cool band with the trilbies and the glasses of white wine. Mm. Weekend rock stars are in the toilets practicing their lines. Brilliant. So there's some cutting lines, and there's some that are a little bit wordplay and a little mm. bit cute, and and
0: yeah. I think as well, I've got on that. Is Bird says it's amazing. Though, so all that's left is the proof that love's not only blind but deaf. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really really good. I've, I've got. Have you been drinking, son? You don't look old enough for me. I'm sorry, officers. There's a certain age you're supposed to be.
2: Off riot van, which I think is really clever. That that's like what as as like being kids roaming about the park or whatever, I and mean, a couple of cans on a Friday night. I could see my mate saying it. Yeah. I could see us getting caught, and, and I'm sure I've had that conversation. Mm. I've heard it. I've got one from Riot Van. We didn't do that much wrong. Still ran away, though, just for the laugh. Mm.
0: Nothing better to do.
2: <laughs> Been there, done it. It's like, it just feels like we've done it. Do you know what I mean?
0: This is a real love in tonight, isn't it? It's great. It is, yeah. Yeah. This is what I got off, off of a certain romance, the second verse, so... Don't get me wrong, though, there's boys in bands and kids who like to scrap with pool cues in their hands. And just because he's had a couple of cans, he thinks it's all right to act like a dickhead, which again, and I said when we talked about it before, has been angled at me before. I'm fine. All right. Yeah, you've got me. Yes, I do like to act like a dickhead when I've had a couple of cans. Fine. Sue me. (laughs) And I think his use of. because he's a scumbag, don't you know off of when the sun goes down is brilliant it's just such a, like a i don't know I don't think i've ever used would have ever used the phrase scumbag before I heard that song
2: yeah, and uh, there's one from which you discussed on your indie disco about did you see her she was gorgeous, mm. but this lad at the side drinking his Smen of five came and paid for a tropical reef it's i don't know you you covered that one, but it just it that that reminds me of being. 18 in a bar hmm. trying to side up to somebody and someone's beat me to it <laughs> and it's perfect all, it's also like the references in it isn't it smirnoff yeah. ice tropical
0: reef it's kind of like yeah weird like you know it's not a normal sort of well i say it's not a normal it would have been very normal at the time but yeah i i think you could go on and on have you got any more or
2: one from Mardibon when he's talking about i can't remember the actual lyric i didn't write that bit down but yeah <laughs> And they're having good times in the kitchen, basically. And then he says, but you were all argumentative and you've got the face mm. on. And it's like, any argument with your missus? <laughs> <laughs> Just on a quick tangent, you've obviously, Sam, said before about
1: the influence of Jamie T on your songwriting, but I can hear a lot of this in your lyrics, having listened to this properly. so
0: Yes, yeah, no, that's that's very, very fair, I would say. In fact, I was reading some lyrics from this album today and they're have you lifted them it's not it's it's not ended up on an actual song but i did have a what was it he has got a driving ban he's been done though he's been done for reckless driving amongst some other offenses was my lyric and then the arctic monkeys one is he's got a driving ban amongst some other offenses so that can never see the light of day sadly
1: (laughs) (laughs) are we giving this i wish i'd written that award to the whole album then are we uh the sam jones award for songs i i
0: yeah. written
2: <laughs> in from Ritz to rubble he manages to fit the word totalitarian in mm, so yeah. i think just for managing to fit that in maybe i would lean towards that then he says like it's a story about trying to get into the c- mm. club and they're in a queue there's two bouncers of one of them's all right the other one's scary it's his way or no way totalitarian
1: yeah, yeah. all right here we are big one you ready for a big one Always. Right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is just into
2: chaos already. Uh,
1: <laughs> right, moving on. The Sean Bean Award for the best thing to come out of Sheffield. <laughs> uh,
2: I, went, I went and looked at this. There's quite a lot of bands that came from Sheffield, didn't there? Human right. League,
1: Def Leppard, Pulp. Hang
2: anyway. on, oh, yeah. Def Leppard
1: are from Sheffield? I think so, I was yeah. I surprised.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They were formed in Sheffield, I think. I
1: thought it was either Sheffield or Doncaf, though, and then it was Sheffield, yeah. I television of Bradford, so that don't count. No, I think yes. Joe Cocker, yeah. I did enjoy
0: uh, Jay. You sent that Milburns, or you said you've been listening to Mill. I completely
2: forgotten about that. I uh, I remembered it when you were talking about it on your previous episode, and I thought I've not heard that for for a long time, and I just thought of it basically as a this album copycat. Yeah, yeah. So Arctic Monkeys' Copycat. But well, when I put it on, it's not quite. It's it had its own thing, but I think they just they just got lost in the sea of everything that came after this record.
0: Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't know all of it. I don't think I've ever heard the album before. But like the big says, so it's Cheshire Cat or something. The big single
2: off it. Yeah, Cheshire Cat's mad. That's it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That I really and I heard that before in the opening track of the albums. Oh yeah, I know this. And you're right, they would have been one of those bands that came around at a similar time, but probably got beaten to the punch a little bit almost. I don't know. I don't know they, if that's... Quite...
2: They were friends. They knew each other. Ah, And I think they did a little bit of... There was a little bit of crossover because um, the, the bassist from Arctic Monkeys left after this first album came out. and I think he went off to do something with somebody from that band at the same time. Ah. It was a bit like... I was trying to think about... How stuff stuff like this would have happened before two thousand and six, but it's almost a bit like the, the punk era, or even like the grunge era, where different people from different bands are all mixing with each other, creating their own thing, and doing the and playing with each other, or doing shows or whatever. Whereas up until this point, I mean, I don't think we really had a lot of that in. It was well known around that time in our sort of British bands. It was it was all very. They were lucky if they could all, any of them, could play an instrument or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They were being told what to sing, weren't they? So they weren't going to go off with somebody with a mate and create something new. Exactly. And like, there's a couple of bands that I wrote down that 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 did that, and a lot of them, or a few of them, certainly were from Sheffield, so they obviously knew each other. Mm. Um, But but just read
1: just in terms of you know the biggest bands to come out of that city, then so it's for me it's between them and Pulp, really
2: yeah um that's pretty pretty fair
0: yeah yeah i i think i'm just looking at like you were saying about reverend and the makers as well they've got some good stuff but yeah i think yeah. i think you'd be hard pushed to say i oh, anyone was as big as arctic monkeys or pulp and i've been, been thinking about this a little bit today and i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say i think arctic monkeys are a better band
1: you said something about before about um Alex Turner being the Sheffield Springsteen, didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think that's right. And I think it might be something that we we come on to on one of our other awards. But I think Pulp are an amazing band. Don't get me wrong. And like different class might be better than anything the Arctic Monkeys have done. But I think as a band, if I'm reaching for a record, I'm reaching for the Arctic Monkeys, not for Pulp.
1: Okay, so we're giving we're going to give that to the Monkeys, then are we? Oh, sorry, the Arctic Monkeys, sorry. <laughs> not yeah. the monkeys. Um, so, Um But while we're in the Sheffield region, are we going to give this album the Dr. John Cooper Clark Award for Best Performance in a Local Accent or Dialect? Or does that remain with Charlie and Craig from The Proclaimers? That remains with The Proclaimers, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I think, yeah, probably. And I also think that it's quite symptomatic of bands generally of that period. I think there's a lot of sort of, and whether or not it's because the Northern accent is quite distinctive, especially when it's sung. It's just thinking like Arctic Monkeys, Cortinas, the Coral are all bands that have got
1: you really hear them, their accent. Yeah, because if you go back earlier, I suppose, like in the that first sort of Britpop, range it, like for his manchester as Oasis word doesn't really come for, like he's got a distinctive voice but if you didn't know you wouldn't place it as manchester yeah but the um guy from cast definitely a liverpool band yes yeah but then yeah. um obviously around the same time as this album you've got lily, Al- lily allen mm-hmm. and kate nash as well you know with that and jamie, jamie Tee. Tee, yeah just very distinctly yeah
0: um I think so, and because it's like he's perhaps lost it a little bit, the accent at least in his performance, but I think it still remains in his vocals in some of the terms of phrases that he uses.' not so much anymore, but
1: if it's he, still if, there if he's just got a gene- if he just sings generic English singing voice, does the album capture the way it does? do you think
2: um no. I don't think it does, because some of the lines that are written wouldn't fit. They wouldn't suit, would they? So I think so. And I think around that time, because of this record and how popular it was, I think you get a resurgence of local dialects coming out in bands that record labels are looking for, thinking there's something in that. And then it kind of disappears. Dissipates a little bit and then it comes back with certain other bands like, you know, like Sleep of Mods, Slaves, all that kind well, of stuff. Well, even now
1: with like Sam Fender, you can hear his yeah. North East, Northumberland. He is South yeah. Shields, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, but like you. Have you,
2: have you I was going to say, have you ever heard of Ab, Arab, Arab Strap? Arab Strap, yeah. Arab Strap, yeah. yeah. They're from Glasgow, I yeah. think, mm. aren't they? Yeah. It's quite, a, quite an interesting accent to hear as well. Yeah. Some of their records, some of their tracks.
0: Jerry Cinnamon. It's got a ridiculously got a good, isn't thick, is, yeah, I would get, yeah, I again. But then you've um, got
1: Paolo Nutini who has yeah. got a real thick yeah. accent but sings like an old American soul singer. has got a beautiful yeah. voice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, he's but got... then you hear, him, you hear him talk and you're like, you know. Yeah. It's, with him, it's almost like the first time I heard Idris Elba outside of The Wire and I was like, holy shit, he's English. Because his yeah, Baltimore yeah. was so good, like, you know, barely, yeah, sorry, yeah. me on a tangent again.
2: A few years after this, you would have got, you've got Jake Bug, who was from Nottingham, who's quite got quite an accent as well. So, but that's like maybe 10 years after this record comes out. So it does keep popping up, doesn't it? The dialects. Because there I was think,
1: quite a lot of bands around around that time, or just after, that seemed to work off a similar sort of sound or a similar sort of energy and vibe. You used groovy, I've used vibe. So there you go.
0: I I think, um, I think the Arctic monkeys are pretty much single handedly responsible for that. What I previously dubbed like the second wave of indie. Like I know there are other big bands around at the time, but like they just pushed it man they just really kind of like took what other bands were doing and just you know i'm sure there's other bands were, who were around and who were doing it but like that came out and it was just like even if they even if the arctic monkeys weren't the original you know the first band to be doing it once they came out that didn't matter it was cuz they they were like the band weren't they
2: they were the one that exploded. Yeah.
0: Everything else happened around it. Mm. I remember he said uh, an award thing that he, they won an award, I'm not sure how, they probably won like best best British band at the Brits or something. Or And he just came out and his speech was like, we're just rock and roll and rock and roll will always come around and clear out the dirge and the shit, basically. And he just walks off. And it's just like, that's what they did back then. I think they just came along and it was just like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be manufactured. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's not, we're not pop idol. We're not, you know, we're not here say aging myself. There we go.
1: (laughs) And it was just like, just boom, have it, you know, how much do you think they benefited from like the implosion of like the libertines? Because do you know what I mean? Like if like if the Libertines were still like a functional band at the time, would there still a bit? Do you you see what I'm getting at?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Um, they run they run a little bit side by side, don't they? And then
0: basically, I I would say that the Libertines at the time, at least, were the Musos Arctic Monkeys. Arctic Monkeys were popular, but the Libertines were good, and are not. Do, do you see what I mean? It was like, if you really like music, you like the Libertines. If you just like what's on the radio, you like the Arctic Monkeys. So I, I think they're kind of almost two sides of the coin. But I see what you mean. You know, what would have happened to the Libs if they could have, that period of time, they were a band, if they were actually a fully functioning band. But then again, at the same time, part of the the draw for the Libs was the fact that they were such a fucking shambles. <laughs> you know, and like... um, Elliot said when we did did the indie disco he's like he saw them last month and they were all on time and they were playing together properly and it was they were like a proper band and he was like
2: oh this isn't quite right <laughs> you know would it would it have been like a a Blur Oasis type situation to think yeah yeah i think
1: possibly yeah What, if if the Vibs had kept it together you mean
2: yeah yeah, yeah. not so much between themselves but between everybody else kind of Battle for uh, so, it, biggest yeah, so the year. if yeah so
1: if Libertines and Arctic Monkeys are blurring Oasis, who are the dodgies and who are the Shed Sevens? And
2: in... you know, what I would have said I, I love Shed Seven. Mil- by the
1: way, just for the record, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would have
2: put I would have put Milburn in there because yeah. I just thought they were a carbon copy of of Arctic Monkeys. But I've gone back and listened to it, and they've got their own sound. It's not just a copycat. Hmm. And obviously they've got that thing of being from Sheffield as well and being yeah. mates and like to kind of get washed out a little bit because of that. But Yeah, I, I don't know, because there's some good bands there, isn't there? There I mean?
0: are. Yeah. Um I guess some thing about like bands like like The Automatic were kind of a bit shit, but kind of come I'd say the Kaiser Chiefs were I it Wonder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even I don't know, like the Fratellis were kind of a little bit Arctics yeah. light, I the, suppose. The view came the along view, years after. Yeah, like you said, all decent bands, but not quite the powerhouses that the Arctics or the Libs or you know they are the probably the two the two big the big ones, I would say.
2: Around this sort of time, just just a bit later when we left school. We used to go around locally and watch. You know, there was a couple of venues locally that used to play live music back then, and there isn't really anymore, unfortunately. But there used to be a couple of tribute acts and stuff. And one of the bands in particular was called um, Kaiser Monkey Killers. <laughs> and they did exactly what it says on yeah, the tin. Yeah. They played Kaiser Chiefs, Arctic Monkeys, and The Killers. And it was just all that was popular at the time. um But if any of them other bands, One It Wonders, came on, mm-hmm you wouldn't be so disappointed about yeah. it. Yeah. But if they played anything else, you'd probably be like, oh, mm. that's enough now. <laughs> so yeah. Put a quid in the jukebox, turn it over.
1: So this album is absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. It was the fastest selling debut album here and the second fastest debut album on an independent label in America. Right. But can we give it the Appetite for Destruction Award for the best debut album ever? You mean the uh, Is This It by The Strokes? <laughs> for the best debut album ever. <laughs> what I think about this, and I, again, if if we give it this award, next time we do a debut album, it will be, what, does it get the whatever people say I am award? So th- this is a like a title that will be passed. Right, what do you reckon, Jay? Uh,
2: I don't feel that I've gone back and done as much research as I could have into other debut records by other bands to give it the award, but... I think on the basis of what they, what the record means to me, yeah. And then if you're going to have future conversations with other people, and, and they can put their argument against that award, then can't they? What what I feel about it
0: is that in a period of time that there are an awful lot of very good first albums. So the the, the two I always think of are to go along with this, are so the first Ordinary Boys album, which I think is a brilliant. Like, I've genuinely, not even of that era, I think it's a genuinely good record and it's brilliant debut. The first Hard Fire record as well, There for me, the, the other two I would say. But I think the next sort of 10 years or, or at least the rest of the decade is littered with bands with brilliant first albums. And I think, yeah. like, that's quite... Quite indicative of that period of time where, like, the first album came out and it, um, a lot of them banged. You know, like the first Pigeon Detective album's really good. hard Five's yeah. record is brilliant.
2: Coops was like, out around that time. Good album.
0: And the what I think separates the Arctic Monkeys from those other bands are the fact that they're now like what six or seven albums down the line and they're still fucking massive and they're still making good music and like slightly different music but I think that I'm happy to give it the award long story short whether or not it's the best debut album ever I don't know but it's very
1: very good so in, in, until we find a better one you're happy to for it to take yeah, on the absolutely. title because it is an absolute banger of a record when you boil
0: it down for all we said about it all like the the clever lyrics and the influence of it and It's just really fucking
1: good. Right, so going from that then, does it then also get the Martin McFly Award for time travel? As in, if it was released today, would it still be as massive as it was back then?
0: Well, this is is difficult for me because if this exact album, as it is recorded, was released now, no, I think it would get a little bit lost. But I think if it was released... And like the references and stuff changed and it had that like real kind of like tit for tat, you know, the, whatever, the, whatever the 2022 version of pressing the star after you've pressed the lock is, I think it would just, you see what I mean? Like as a record now, a lot of that would get lost, I think, in the reference points, which made it so strong. And I think if someone were to do that now and it to be that heavy think it wouldn't land necessarily because i think it would feel a little bit like but that isn't to say that the the quality of the songwriting wouldn't come through and i think that kind of shows in the fact that they're still massive
1: the two records that are out like now that i would draw comparison to would be or the two the two bands would be like fontaine's dc yeah in terms of energy and then that Yardak record that we listened to yeah. a while back. Yeah. Was that fair?
2: That Yardak record in particular is very reminiscent of this coming out and the references in it and that kind of stuff. I do think if if the whole indie scene didn't go the way it did after the Arctic's came out and that record came out now, maybe it would. Mm. It Maybe it would do it but maybe it wouldn't be as big. Maybe it wouldn't, but because I like, still back then you had like music television, didn't you? Mm. It was just, like music videos were a thing. People yeah. still used to watch them and wait for them. And you know what I mean? And and, and, and like seeing that first single just built mm. the the anticipation for the album. Fans don't really get that now, do they? Unless they are played on radio one no. 10 times a day. They don't really hear that.
0: I, I think as well, this Arctic Monkeys album, whether or not I'd have to say I don't know, but I, I think it's considerably better than say that Yardax album for being I I like I really like that Yardax record, but I don't see that Yardax record being on our podcast in fifteen years time. Whereas I dare say this Arctic's record would be. That that's a, that is unfair because you know you, you they haven't had the time to do that which I, I get that. But I don't hear I don't hear that in those records the same sort of longevity or potential longevity in them uh, as with this Arctic Monkeys record. And you know it'd be interesting to see what the follow-up is. And I'm very aware that I'm sounding extremely back in my day, you know, extremely like I've got my Carlin beer goggles on. Yeah, and but I'm we all know of...
1: I live in nineteen ninety-four, so don't worry about it. There is that that, that like like in fifth but in fifteen years' time are the thirty-three-year-old kids, or, the, or are the thirty-three-year-olds of fifteen years time, going to be still be listening to that Yard Act record? Yeah, and I can't answer
2: that. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's it's a fair point. There's a there's a there's a risk that with anything now, that it becomes catfish and the bottom and all the blossoms, isn't it? Yeah. Comes up, it's big. It's a good record. It's got some good tracks on it. Second one drops, but as soon as that happens in, in nowadays music because everything's digital and you can just move on so quickly, I don't think you get that second chance to come back like you might have done back then. And I think that's massive
0: with this with the second Arctic Monkeys record. And I do want to just quickly touch on it towards the end, but like that second Arctic's record come out quite quickly, but it's also quite different. Whereas I think with Catfish in the Bottom, are the perfect example. That first record was really, really good. And it, you just feel it was like, we have to do something straight away. And what came out just felt like, I don't know, eight tracks that weren't good enough to go on the first album, plus the couple of new ones that they would written. And it and it it really, really shows. That's a really poor second album, I think.
1: Do you think there's something in that, like certainly nowadays with, nowadays, see, we're all at it. <laughs> It's like, if you look at all the big gigs in all the big festivals, the bands that are playing are our bands. Yeah. So, like, these bands that come through, it doesn't matter. They don't get the chance because it doesn't matter because, like, our bands are still going. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, when I was 18, we had, you know, it was, like, Pearl Jam were headlining festivals, Rage Against the Machine were headlining festivals, um... You know, the Mannix were headlining festivals, and now.
0: You've raised his machine a headline in Leeds this year.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, the same. Yeah. You know, and it hasn't moved on. So, and, you know, Arctic Monkeys would be playing, and they'll be. probably They'd probably headline a festival
2: if they were to play. But. Glastonbury would love to put Arctic Monkeys on his headline, wouldn't yeah. they? Because they've got the back catalogue now. But yeah, also, covers, the only
1: people who've got money to go, go to Glastonbury have got. Want to watch Arctic Monkeys? Like the eighteen-year-old kids ain't got the money for Glastonbury, have they? Yeah. To be yeah. fair, I'd love to see the Arctic Monkeys, but i have not got the money for either. <laughs> no, no, but uh, that, that's just you know, you know the point I'm making, yeah. like so. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. That that is one of my bands to watch. Um, it's Arctic Monkeys. I want to see them again mm. because I saw them at Leeds, uh, which what what was it around two thousand and nine? Yeah, like, around guessing. then wasn't it? I reckon. So and like. I feel like, for me, seeing them the first time, they were still playing their garage gig, their shitty club gig, mm. in front of eighty thousand people in an open air festival. It didn't cross over. Yeah. I don't think I, I had maybe I had too high expectation, but I don't felt I don't feel like it did. Whereas now, from what I've seen on the telly and whatever YouTube, their stage presence is a lot better. They've got a better stage show, and yeah. um, musically they've changed as well, haven't they? So I feel yeah. like before. Before I hang up my gig boots, I mm-hmm. mean, I've got to go and see them again, but it depends how much it costs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a stadium gig as well, isn't it? Absolutely,
0: yeah. It. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, that, the vast award of the
1: evening, then. Are we giving this record, whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not, are we giving it the Tenzing Norgay Prize for being peak Arctic Monkeys, for being the pinnacle of their achievement? Oh,
0: let's this, see, this has been pickling my head a little bit, if I'm being honest, this week, because
1: like, is this the best that they get, or Jamie's shaking his head. Go on, Jamie. Shall we
2: go? Right, so I'll read what I wrote down. Peak Arctics possibly Suck It and Sea or AM. And I feel like hey, I would lean more towards AM than anything else to say Peak Arctics, because I feel like that's they've still got in his songwriting, he's still got this album in him, this first record in him. But musically and as a band, as a togetherness, and with the people they've worked with producer wise, I think they can produce something a lot more substantial, if that makes sense nowadays. I
0: absolutely agree. I think a couple of friends of mine love that AM record and I've never really gotten into it, but I I love Suck it and see. I think it's such a good record. And on one hand, I do think this is peak Arctic Monkeys because of how big it was and how, like, how bursting onto the scene it was. I mean, they're a, they're a bigger band now than they were then, which is incredible, because, you know, you think about what they'd... Like, if they were to tour now, like you said, they would probably play Wembley, but, you know, potentially Wembley, Millennium Stadium, that sort of thing. They They could. They could do a stadium tour rather than, like, an arena tour, I think, you know. And I think that, but that first album just for the person onto the scene and was so good, but I think like you said, he's, he's retained. Maybe if it's not all of it, but he's pre- retained a lot of that songwriting that, you know, that lad in Sheffield songwriting, but he's so much better at it and there's so much more to it. And you can, you can feel with the arctics that like, you can feel the like the world almost seeping into them a little bit and like influences seeping in and it's kind of you, you listen to that first album you listen to that last album that they've done like how is that the same band it it's poles apart but there are still like those threads that hold that band together and i think for me that's what makes them no, I, wasn't answering the question. I think they're the best band of the last 20 years. I really do. I, I'm I'm i that I think they're that good. And I think you might not like all of it, but they're fucking brilliant. And what I would say about peak Arctic monkeys, I don't think they've peaked. That would be my hot take. I think I think Arctic monkeys have got like I don't know, appetite for destruction in them, or let it be in them, or or Sandinista, or London. I think they've got like, a genuine, great, great record. Like, you know, one for the ages. I think he's an incredible songwriter. I think they're a really good band. And I think quite privileged to have been part of that sort of period of time where they've where they've dominated, really.
2: Going back and listening to this, it just brought up being 15 again and uh, yeah. fond memories, so it was good.
0: I've had a wonderful week listening to them, and I'm going to carry it on, I think, yeah what a band what a band
1: yeah if there's any other records that you think oh I could you know do it you know fit around a similar sort of format then just get to share it you're welcome anytime you want on air like it's like I say fourth chair almost now so
2: yeah I'm happy to do that no yeah, problem nice.
1: always welcome always nice and to I'll see be have my, I'll have my t-shirt next you time, will do it? yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah brilliant. brilliant all
1: right mate thank you very much Cool. yeah cheers Jay all right we'll Catch see you later soon, mate.
0: bye Go